And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. It was the first home start for Trey Lance, and after a rocky beginning to the game, he performed well, and the 49ers beat the team that they should have beaten. The Houston Texans came in at 4-11. They're now 4-12 because the 49ers won this one 23-7. We'll chop it all up from the first half to the second half to the big picture. And the big picture right now is the 49ers are 9-7, and but they have not yet clinched their playoff berth. They're going to have to wait until week 18, and I guess that really fits with the theme of this 2021 season. It's been really, really dramatic, exciting, uh, you know, frenetic, up and down, whatever you want to call it, uh, the 49ers are going to have to wait until the very final week of the regular season to learn their fate, determine their fate when they play the Rams. But first things first, they crossed the bridge that was in front of them. That was the Houston Texans. It was an excellent game for the 49ers defense, arguably their best of the year, 3.6 yards per play allowed. That's, uh, you know, 2019 defense level stuff. And uh, Matt Trey Lance did the job, even though it was shaky at the start. He did throw that pick in the first half. He found his rhythm in that two-minute drill, and then he really did show up in the second half with some explosive plays. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I don't think it quite matched the the gushing, flowery praise we were hearing from 49ers defensive players about how he's looked in practice. Uh, but I, I think there was a chance that Jimmy Garoppolo was going to get off to a, a slow start in this game, too. I mean, that sometimes happens after these these 10-game rests, uh, and then the team eventually wakes up. And, and I think we, we all kind of thought that might be the case, that you know once the third quarter rolls around, the 49ers start to really uh, kind of push the inferior team around. That's what happened. And I do think that Lance got better as the game went on. I think he was better than he was against the Cardinals in Week 5. I think the fact that the 49ers running game started to take over in, in the second half really helped him. He was under center quite a bit on the majority of those second half snaps, and he ran play action on a lot of them. The touchdown to Debo Samuel was a, a thing of beauty. It looked a lot like the the touchdown to Trent Sherfield. Remember, that was the first ever Trey Lance touchdown in the preseason. This was the same exact play, but to the opposite side. And so that's sort of the bread and butter. When Trey Lance has a running game, when he can use the play action, when he can do the things that he did at North Dakota State, he's a lot more comfortable. And I think we saw that as the game went on. You're exactly right. He got better as the game went. I, I remember watching that first that first quarter, and I think it was back-to-back plays. You know, he took some pretty serious shots, and I was starting to think, you know, this, this kid's not going to make it through this football game. And then it seems like something kind of happened. I, I, think, I think the interception, uh, uh, Marcel Harris's intercept, interception kind of changed the vibe of the game with the moment, momentum of the game. <clears throat> Defense started start kind of getting after 
uh, the Texans on, on, on their side of the ball. And then I think you get comfortable. Elijah Mitchell, again, you know, I thought he was going to be on a kind of a pitch count, but, you know, he went out there and he balled out over 100 yards. So that helped him out a lot. Uh, but he got better as the game went. And that's what you want to see. And this, this is what happens when you get, you know, full-time game reps. Uh, you get better. You start, you know, you start seeing things differently. Things start slowing down for you and you don't seem as nervous. I think that first quarter, he seemed a little bit nervous. Um, and we know he's an athlete. I mean, I, I can remember one one play uh, in the, I think it was the second quarter where he's in the end zone. They were backed up. He's in the end zone. He's gone through his full progressions. And we talked about how, how slow the ball gets out of his hands, but he was able to go through his progressions. And then when his legs extend the play, get outside the pocket and make a play down the field to Brandon Ayuk. So, He's an athlete. I think he needs he needs just needs more reps. You know, he's he's a guy that that I think once he gets to more reps, he understands the offense. He believes in what he can see. He's going to be all right, but he needs those reps. And it's too bad it's week 18 now. Uh, and, you know, he hasn't got that many reps, but he, he got better as the game went. So you got to be encouraged by that. Got to play a lot better. Kyle Shanahan has a has a big decision on his hand. You know, come in the Rams game, you need this Rams game. So, you know, who do you put out? Even though you own the Rams, but who puts out who do you put out there as your quarterback against the Rams in a must win? I mean, a must win game against the Rams. Yeah, uh, this is coming down to the wire. We'll obviously go through some of these scenarios in a bit, but I think first we should just kind of break down Trey Lance's performance. That deeper throw for the touchdown to Debo Samuel, I thought was really impressive because. Lance threw it to where only Debo Samuel could get it. First of all, uh, that did require some arm strength, obviously going a little bit across the field, but far downfield toward the boundary. And he, he I don't want to say he underthrew it because it was completely intentional. He threw it and made Samuel's r- route really, uh, you know, kind of soften up, right? He kind of came back toward the line of scrimmage because that's exactly where the coverage dictated that the ball should go. So I thought that was really impressive ball placement on a throw deep downfield from Trey Lance. And to be honest, Matt, after the what first couple drives of the game, uh, it, it was easy to see this trending back toward a week five direction, right? Where the 49ers ran Trey Lance 16 times. I guess some of those runs were of his own accord, but still he ran way too many times. He left with a knee injury and the pocket passing just wasn't, you know, refined or on point in that game. And the 49ers lost to Arizona. Well, early on in this game, Lance ran twice and he just got trucked both times. Yeah, so, did. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he was on pace to get hit way too many times again. And it didn't look like the 49ers had any confidence in, in his ability to throw downfield didn't look like Trey had any confidence in his own ability to throw downfield but he finally gained that with that two-minute drill at the end of the half and they did all the good things that Dennis has been talking about and uh, that I just listed in that second half I tallied up there were there are 24 total hits that he took uh, against the Cardinals that was on the 16 runs and he also got hit eight times as a quarterback in the pocket um, today or on Sunday it was it was the total was nine uh, so seven runs, and most of those came in the first half. And you're right, he took some some big shots, and it looked a lot like the Cardinals game. But then uh, they, they stopped running him. Um, there was the design run for a touchdown that got called back on a, uh, I think it was Brandon Ayuk holding call. Uh, but uh, not very many of those. And then uh, the best part was just two quarterback hits, one sack, one additional hit. Uh, which means that that, uh, that offensive line uh, was doing a great job. It's not the Cardinals' defense. I think 
that's something that a, a lot of fans or a lot of listeners will be howling about. There's a real disparity in the opponents here. Um, the, 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 the Texans just don't have the defense that the Cardinals did, and, and the Rams do. Uh, so that's something to, to think about moving forward. But, I mean, um, I, I, you never want to say that guys are, came out of the, the, uh, the game cleanly because on Mondays, Shanahan's list of injuries always seems to be a lot longer than it was on Sunday. But uh, it didn't seem as if Trey Lance was hurt or beyond that first quarter, first quarter and a half, took any big shots either. It was the 49ers who were in control who were delivering the blows from that point forward. Yeah, and you know, and, and here's what I see with, with, with Trey Lance. And I don't know much about the quarterback position, but I know how to play a little bit of defense. So if you have a quarterback that is going to threaten you vertically down the football field, it's going to open up your run game. And I think that's what Trey brings to the table, That what Jimmy Garoppolo does not. I mean, he's not going to throw the ball deep. I saw some deep balls uh, by Trey Lance today that, you know, you just don't see within this offense with Jimmy Garoppolo. And it opens up, you know, your run game. Elijah Mitchell had, again, over 100 yards. And it's because you have to respect that vertical game. I mean, the 49ers, don't, they don't have that speed burner down the field. But if you have a quarterback that you think uh, on the defensive side that can get behind you, get behind the defense, you're going to respect it. You're going to keep two safeties back, and that's going to open up the run game. So I think that's what Trey Lance brings to this offense. And it's encouraging to see, you know, he's got that strong arm. Uh, he had a couple nice throws down the field. He had that one P.I. So it's good to see that part of the 49ers offense kind of develop, that respect for the long game. Well, let's look at the final line for Trey Lance. I mean, this is a very Shanahan-esque box score for the 49ers the, t- the type that you see after a good balanced offensive performance Trey was 16 of 23 for 249 yards two touchdowns and one interception meanwhile the 49ers ran the ball 37 times for 175 yards so when you talk about the 49ers offense and how they're built they want to run the football at volume they're able to run the football at volume today was the, with those 37 carries Lance had eight of them Debo Samuel had seven obviously Elijah Mitchell was the workhorse with 21 but in order to do that you have to convert enough with the pass game to move the chains and give the running game that kind of opportunity and I thought that Trey Lance especially in the second half did that up until that two-minute drill in the first half uh, the 49ers were inefficient the the interception was a bad one I don't think Lance should have attempted to throw even though in the post-game press conference he said he just threw it too low I I I wasn't sure about that I thought there were there were two guys and and the underneath defender was covering it well so that's something that the 49ers hope that Trey Lance learns from but once he found that rhythm uh, he he looked like a different quarterback in the context of Shanahan's offense with the play action with the pocket presence the awareness you know the ability to step up you know use that athleticism a little bit to move around and that's all great news for the 49ers because there's a good chance they're going to need more of this from Trey Lance Jimmy Garoppolo uh, hasn't thrown yet uh, right and and he Shanahan thinks he's going to throw this week um, but Shanahan also has not really uh, been accurate with any of his uh, prognoses <laughs> for Jimmy Garoppolo. So. To ask on this. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not sure what's going to happen with Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward. I think the 49ers would really like to have him back against the Rams because that has proven to be a winning formula. A healthy Jimmy Garoppolo, even an unhealthy Jimmy Garoppolo, beat the Rams last season, right? Even Nick Bullens beat them last year. But uh, uh, the 49ers have the formula to beat the Rams, and it's what we saw them apply 
against the Texans. That's run at volume and and pass efficiently enough. And Lance was able to execute it against Houston. I don't know if he can execute it against the Rams. Uh, we'll see what happens this week, but uh, it was a good step in the right direction for the rookie. Yeah, and we should note that Garoppolo is 5-0 and against the Rams. So, yeah. I mean, I think if, if Garoppolo was even 75%, um, uh, Shanahan's going to tap him. But you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, Shanahan in this thumb injury ha- has been bizarre. He's been, he's been wrong at, at every stage of this. And what's worse is that uh, there's there's been a big discrepancy between what he says and then what these national reporters, who presumably are talking to Garoppolo's camp, are saying about the thumb, including whether it's going to require surgery. Uh, Shanahan says, no, I, I don't think it's going to require surgery. I mean, it could get worse, but right now we don't think it, it's going to need surgery. Uh, Ian Rappaport, um, and by the way, they're, they're both playing for the same team. Ian Rappaport works for the NFL. So does Kyle Shanahan, says he does need surgery afterwards. So there's a real, not on the same page, um, uh, effect going on here about how bad this thumb is. Uh, So, I mean, to me, it's going to be Wednesday. If he's out there on Wednesday, I think he plays. If he he misses all of Wednesday, uh, I think we're looking at another Trey Lance game. And it's just going to be so interesting because it's a much better opponent on the road with everything on the line in this one, Dennis, and um, uh, it, it's going to be so interesting to see how he matches up against a team that historically Garoppolo has matched up very well against. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Kyle Shanahan said that there's still hope for Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, he can still play. We're going to see if he can throw the football. So, And I just think if, if there's any chance, I mean, if, if, if there's any chance Jimmy Garoppolo to play, um, Kyle Shanahan is going to put him in the football game. And uh, just I, I think – I don't know if he's got more trust in a Jimmy Garoppolo or does he, does he just – he see the, he sees the line where 
Jimmy Garoppolo is five and zero against against the Rams. Uh, but when you have a, I mean, again, you can keep developing this kid. I mean, I know it's it, it's 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 high pressure. You must win. But that's what quarterbacks do. Quarterbacks learned to play in high-pressure situa- situations. And this was a great game because the Texans weren't a very good football team. Uh, you got to play better against the Rams. But what a great opportunity to get your future quarterback some serious, some serious playing time and put the, and put the game in, in, in his hands and say, listen, you're going to be the guy moving forward. Uh, we need you to produce. And this is what the NFL is about. But it, it really sounds like, Kyle Shanahan wants, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo to start against the Rams. And if there's any chance, I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see Jimmy Garoppolo starting on Sunday or Saturday, wherever the game's going to happen. All right. Do you guys want me to go through the playoff scenarios here for the 49ers? All right. So here's the deal. The 49ers are 9-7. and The Eagles are 9-7, and but they've already punched their ticket to the playoffs due to advantageous tiebreakers. I'm not going to get that far into it. And the Saints are 8-8. Eight and eight. So they're, only two of those teams can make the postseason, and Philadelphia is already guaranteed of a spot. So it's either going to be the nine, currently 9-7 49ers or the currently 8-8 eight and eight Saints as, as the last NFC playoff spot, although the 49ers can get the number six seed. So that, that I know that's confusing, but basically there's only one available spot. It's between the 49ers and the Saints. The 49ers nightmare scenario is if all three of those teams finish nine and eight, it would create a three-way tie and the 49ers don't have the necessary tiebreakers to win that three-way tie, namely conference record. So the 49ers can either go out and beat the Rams next week. They control their own destiny. That'll clinch a playoff spot. That would make the 49ers 10 and seven. And it would mean that New Orleans can't catch them. If that doesn't happen, the 49ers have to hope that New Orleans loses to the Falcons. Because if New Orleans catches the 49ers and both of those teams end up 9-8, and eight, it's not good for the 49ers. And I don't even think they win a head-to-head tiebreaker against New Orleans. I, it, I wrote a whole piece on it this, this Monday. But it comes down to this. It comes down to... Either the 49ers beating the Rams and they're 5.5 point underdogs to open that or the Falcons beating the Saints and the the Falcons are 4.5 point underdogs to New Orleans. So one of those two things has to break in the 49ers favor that they need at least one of those games to break in the underdogs favor to make the playoffs. If it doesn't, uh, they won't make the playoffs. So does that make sense? Sounds like if, if they win the game, against the Rams, and they're going to be the sixth seed, and the Eagles are going to be the seventh seed based on the head-to-head. Is that right? I think so, yes, because they'd, be, they'd have the same record, I would think. Well, Philadelphia still has to play Dallas, I believe, next week. So we'll but see But it goes if, to head-to-head at that point. Yes, exactly. But I guess, theoretically, Philadelphia could win, and the 49ers could lose, and New Orleans could also lose, right? In oh, that yeah. case, Philadelphia <laughs> would be ahead of the 49ers. 49ers would be seven, and New Orleans would be out. So there's a number of different ways this can break out, but Philadelphia will be in no matter what. And it's it really will depend on the on that Saints-Falcons game and the 49ers-Rams game. So Philadelphia is already clinched. Yes, Philadelphia is clinched because of tie-breaking scenarios, namely mm. conference record. You look at, that's one of the highest tiebreakers. I mean, head-to-head is the highest tiebreaker. The 49ers have that over the Eagles, but they don't have that against the Saints. So if there's a three-way tie, you know, you could skip head-to-head because there's not enough head-to-head to break that tie. So they'd move the conference record. And right now the 49ers are at 6-5 and five conference record. And if they 
lost to the to the Rams, they'd be six and six. Meanwhile, Philadelphia's seven and four conference record, and New Orleans, if they win next week, would be seven and five. They're six and five right now. So they would if the 49ers lose this week and New Orleans wins next week, the 49ers have a, would have a worse conference record than both the Eagles and the Saints. Therefore, they would be pushed out of the playoff picture. So, Dennis, the question is uh, to you, if you're the 49ers, wh- which team would you most want to avoid in the first round? I mean, uh, among those division winners, the uh, the Cowboys, looks like the Rams, um, or maybe not the Rams, but Cowboys, Packers, and, and Buccaneers. Ooh, I would be, you know, just happy to be in the playoffs to get in it but if i if i if i if they said hey who you don't want to play ah i mean those are all i mean those are those are all tough teams um but you're you're more familiar with green bay it's better to play a team you're familiar with kind of know their their tendencies and kind of know you know what to expect but you would hate to go on the road and be in green bay with it you know 10 below zero or whatever they whatever they play there you would love to play a team that's got a dome or play the Rams when you're, you're you're still on the West Coast. So that's a tough question. But if you're in the playoffs, you know, you play whoever, whoever they tell you to play. But uh, you, you're familiar with Green Bay and, uh, you, and you know what to expect. But you don't want to play in that cold. I remember that. That was my last game as an NFL player was playing the, the uh, Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field. And it's a miserable memory. Yeah. And that actually might happen if the 49ers that Lambeau field game at the 49ers get in right now they're the six and Tampa Bay is the three after this wild slate of games so that would be the wild card game and Green Bay is on its way to the one I think they play the Lions right in in week 18 so they should secure that number one seed which would mean that the lowest surviving seed of the wild card game advances to play against the Packers. So if the 49ers somehow would be able to get through Tampa Bay, they'd have to go to Lambeau Field in January, which uh, I don't think anybody thinks is fun. But the, I mean, there's so many interesting possibilities right now. The 49ers just have to keep their eyes on the nearest prize. That's the only you know prize that they can fight for right now. That's actually making it. And it's, it's dicier than uh, it probably should be for the 49ers, but this is, right. this is the cards that they've earned, and then they have to go forward and, and get the job done against the Rams next week, or they have to hope that the Falcons, and you shouldn't count on the Falcons to do anything this year. We saw that's not a good team, but they have to hope that, that it breaks in their favor somehow, some way next week. Also dicey is who's going to be playing cornerback in this finale? Uh, because uh, Josh Norman got pulled from this game, and it was Dante Johnson and Ambry Thomas at the end of it. Um, I, I wasn't paying close enough attention. I know that Norman had the, the P.I. Uh, that, that, to me, didn't seem like quite enough to be pulled from the game. I, I don't know whether there were other uh, you know, uh, issues with him uh, earlier on, but uh, it, it seemed like an abrupt hook that he got. Uh, so it was Dante Johnson and Ambry Thomas, and, and both of them played well, although Dante Johnson did get hit with his own P.I., uh, which was uh, interesting right after the Norman one. But he played well from that point on. But we also might have Emmanuel Mosley coming back for this game. So it really kind of throws into uh, up in the air that, that cornerback situation, which, you know, just like quarterback, is very appropriate for this season because it's been turning over uh, quite a bit, but um, I, I have no idea at this point what the uh, cornerback composition is going to be for the Rams game. That's obviously a huge, huge factor 
when you've got Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford on the slate? You know, I don't know how you cover Cooper Cup. I, I just, you know, from, from that slot position, I mean, he, you know, he's he's impossible to cover. And uh, it, it's going to be tough for that secondary. And, you know, I like Dante Johnson. I think he came and he played very well. Emmanuel Mosley, I mean, he's been, I don't even know when the last time Emmanuel Mosley played. So it's going to take him some time to get back in the flow of things. But, you know, you you, you got to think that uh, the Rams and McVay are looking at that secondary thinking, we're just going to throw the football because, you know, it, 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 and if that pass rush can't get, you know, to Matthew Stafford, I mean, you know, you can you can pick pick apart this secondary. So, yeah, that's going to be the story of the week. Who's going to be the cornerbacks? And if I remember right, I think Dante and Josh Morgan were kind of rotating throughout the game. And then after that, that P.I., they kind of yanked him. And then, you know, Dante goes in and gets another one. But he played well after that, that P.I. But this, I mean, you know, Odell Beckham Jr., you know, he's coming on. You know, they've got some they've got some weapons in that receiving in that receiving room for the Rams. And, and that's going to be the big question this week. How are they going to defend that in this must-win game? Well, this is what I wrote about, and I know that everybody else wrote about Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance, so that this is the reason I wrote about the defenses. So we'd have our usual uh, plethora of balanced coverage at the Athletics. So I got to write about the defense. And for me, it was a really interesting game for the 49ers defense because uh, they were, you know, also one of the culprits in that loss to Tennessee. I mean, remember how bad they were on third down against the Titans? They gave up nine third downs in that game, even though Tennessee's average distance to go on those plays was 10.8 yards. I mean, it was it was uncharacteristic, right? The 49ers had been, especially over the back half of the season, opportunistic defensively. They'd been good situationally, and then they were just terrible against the Titans. Ryan Tannehill picked them apart. And let's be honest, along with the two Garoppolo interceptions, uh, that that was you know the, the chief reason why the 49ers lost the game. So th- this was going to be a challenge for the 49ers defense to get back on track because the Texans were coming off their best offensive performance or one of their best offensive performances of the season. And I think the 49ers, Matt, really, really answered the bell. First of all, their defensive line delivered a balanced pass rush, even though Houston did a lot of max protect, especially against Nick Bosa. So no sacks for Bosa again in this game, but the 49ers got a sack from Eric Armstead. They got a sack from Sansom Ebucom. They got one from Arden Key, and they got one from Jordan Willis. And a balanced pass rush is what the 49ers must, must have in Week 18 and potentially beyond, right? Because they can't be over-reliant on Bosa like they were early in the year. So that was there, and the balanced pass rush helped lead directly into the Marcel Harris interception. It was Arden Key who delivered the pressure over right guard, and Harris delivered the game-changing pick. And that was, that was you know, point two for me. The 49ers linebackers, despite missing Dre Greenlaw and Aziz Elshire, played excellent football. Uh, Fred Warner, season-high 15 tackles, forced fumble. Marcel Harris, first career interception, 10 tackles. I mean, on the second level, they're flying around. And and to me, it's just so important that the 49ers have that front seven cooking, and they may get Greenlaw and Alshire back soon. And, and that's great for this team because that's the basis of this defense. And we talk about the the shakiness at cornerback. Who's going to start, you know, all this, all that. Well, you can mask some of that if you're strong in the front seven. And I thought today was a good example of the 49ers being strong in the front seven. Yeah, I thought uh, uh, Warner had a, a mammoth game. We, we talked two weeks ago 
about his game against the Falcons being the best one of the season. Um, I thought that uh, today's or Sunday's was was right up there with that one. I thought he was a little bit off against uh, Tennessee. Uh, three missed tackles in that game, and uh, he was part of the, the problem on, on those third downs. But um, a big bounce-back game for him. It was great to see Marcel Harris have that game. I think that would, would uh, allow the 49ers to – uh, be a little bit more reassured that he could handle uh, 60, 70 snaps against the Rams if it comes to that, which would allow them to rest uh, Aziz Alshire one more week or so. And, and you're right. I mean, they're they're not getting the sacks from from Nick Bosa these last two weeks. Uh, he had either a a tight end or a running back or some combination uh, on at least uh, three quarters of his pass rushes. Uh, against the the Texans, but these other guys are stepping up. I mean, Samson Ebicom, I forget where he is right now, four and a half sacks maybe. Uh, there's a bunch of guys at four and a half sacks uh, around that mark. Uh, Arden Key again, um, you know, and that's what needs to happen. I mean, if, if, if teams are ganging up on Nick Bosa, the others have to fill in, and I think we have seen that these last two games. Uh, Samson Ebicom is playing his former team, uh, here in week 18, this would be a really nice week to have your kind of your breakthrough game, um, uh, the game that sort of proves why the 49ers decided to give him a, a two-year contract in free agency. Hasn't really had that. Had a nice game against the Bears in week eight um, and, and some nice plays here and there. He needs to have a huge game, and uh, it, it would be nice poetry, I, I think, if he did. But uh, that, that needs to happen because it, it seems as if teams are kind of figuring out how to handle Bosa. We don't talk much about uh, Eric Armstead because, you know, he, does, he doesn't have the big sack numbers. But uh, he's a blue-collar guy. And, you know, he's, he's moved inside. I think he's helped that run game, that run support so very much. I think he's his pass rushing, his, he, you know, up the middle today. This the, the pocket wasn't collapsing from the outside in. It was collapsing from the inside out. And that was because of Eric Armstead. Uh, and some of these guys are, like you said, they're stepping up. I think Ebucon had one of his better games today. He stayed in the backfield. Jordan Willis in the backfield. So I think these guys are kind of figuring out, hey, we have an opportunity to be superstars too. It's not all about Nick Bosa. We have an opportunity because we're single. We're one-on-one. You know, I can work on a technique the entire week and perfect it and come into a football game and get some pressure. So this defensive line showed up today, especially in the second half. They really they really got after uh, Davis Mills. I mean, they really got – I mean, he was under pressure every time he dropped back to throw the football. And there was that one where he, you know, got the um, – that was roughing the passer, which I really don't understand. But, you know, he was he – was, he was he was fighting it, you know. Every every time he went to throw the ball, he had defensive linemen in his face. So, you know, again, this is not it's not the same offensive line as the Rams, but this defense has to show up next week to help this offense uh, help the offense out next week against the Rams. Well, it's it's amazing that it's all coming down to this, and we're gonna have some fun scenarios to talk about this week. But it, you guys are right; it comes down to playing good, solid, complementary football. And and I thought that the 49ers' pass rush today was complementing itself. Right? You have to make up for the double teams against Nick Bosa, and it, it, that's been a story on both sides of the football for the 49ers. Right? They've had a standout on both sides of the ball that has 
carried way too much of the load, and that was happening earlier in the season. So on defense, it was Nick Bosa who was carrying all the load for them, at least pass rush wise. And on offense, it was Debo Samuel who was getting like 80% of the targets. And the 49ers turned it around and started playing more consistently winning football when they they began giving both of those guys help, when they began diversifying the load on offense and on defense. So Brandon Ayuk's emergence was really important offensively. George Kittle got healthy, Jimmy Garoppolo, and now Trey Lance started spreading the ball around. And on defense, they spread the pass rush around. And, you know, now the linebackers are getting healthy. And, you know, the Achilles heel of this team has been that cornerback room. The two more pass interference penalties, by the way, the 49ers lead the league with 19 DPIs this season, and they've lost 360 yards on those penalties. Number two is Tampa Bay, and they've lost only 255 yards. So the 49ers have lost nearly four football fields worth of yardage just due to DPIs and over a football field more than the second worst team. So, uh, you know, Ambry Thomas had the nice play today, almost had the interception, didn't get it. So step up for Ambry Thomas, but uh, they need more and more steps up, the 49ers do, because good quarterbacks that they'll see in the playoffs, they're going to try to victimize them uh, on those pass interference calls. That Those could be brutal. They have been, and, and the 49ers still are not out of dodge on that one. Yeah, we, we've seen steady progress from Ambry Thomas um, throughout. I mean, I forget how many starts he has in a row now. It might be four, might be five, but... Um, if you if you start with that first one and go to now, uh, it's uh, it's a little bit better each time. And and he should have had the pick six early in the game. This would have made it a, a much more lopsided game than it ended up to, uh, being. But I mean, you you kind of feel that with the the incremental steps that he makes, that's that's coming. That that sort of play is coming because he's made. Um, like I said, uh, really visible progress with each of these these games. So that's why that that position quarter, quarterback obviously is the most uh, interesting one, the biggest question mark heading into Rams week. But cornerback is right behind it there, and I, I think we should also uh, shout out the uh, the special teams because uh, th- that group has taken a lot of criticism and deservedly so uh, in recent weeks, but it, it stepped up in this game as well. Um, it wasn't just Elijah Mitchell who was on a pitch count in week five and uh, Jeff Wilson who was missing, George Kittle who was missing. Robbie Gold also was missing in that game. That was a Joey Sly game. Uh, Gold was back for this one. He handled all the kickoffs because uh, Mitch Wichnowski had just come off the, the COVID list and he was 3-3 three of three on his, uh, his field goal. So it was a, uh, it was a good, strong bounce-back effort from that unit, and you know they have to win that uh, against the Rams, and uh, they did in that first meeting. That was a decisive play that they had snuffing out the uh, the fake punt. So um, you know that's a good sign for going into this uh, this finale in uh, Los Angeles. And I, I'm sitting here thinking it all comes down to Week 18. This this season for some reason seemed it was just long. I mean, the way it started off in the middle, uh, you know, Jimmy getting hurt again, seeing Trey Lance come in, him getting hurt, Jimmy coming back, playing really well. Uh, And then last week against the Titans, you know, getting the bad Jimmy. Then he's hurt again. Now Trey Lance. It just seems like this season has been just very long. And now it comes down to the last football game of the season. Uh, And you have have the opportunity just to get yourself in the playoffs and you got to beat a divisional rival. 
So, I mean, this is what football is about. And like I talked about with, with Trey Lance, this is this is the pressure that comes with playing in the National Football League. Uh, and the expectations are you go out and you win football games, especially when you're a quarterback. So it's going to be a fun week. Uh, just just hearing all the reports and, and following social media, it's again, it's going to I think Kyle Shanahan has a he's got a, a decision to make. And I, I feel like he wants to go with Jimmy Garoppolo. But if you look at the tape, I mean, you can see this kid. I, I can kind of see the potential, not fully see the potential, but I can kind of see the potential. You want to draft this kid so high, but you got to give him some more reps. Uh, is this the opportunity you want to give it to him? Give him the keys now. Let him take the team into the playoffs. But it's going to be a fun week. It's going to be interesting to see how this kind of plays itself out. Yeah, I mean, uh, first we're going to be on injury watch, which means we we are going to be at practice. We're going to see how Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing, if he is throwing, and um, then we're going to be covering. Kyle Shanahan's decision-making as far as the most important position. And who knows, maybe the 49ers do have that January surprise in them, which would be back to square one, something they talked about during training camp and they even auditioned in the preseason. And that is a two-quarterback approach, something where they find a way to play both Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. Uh, Earlier in the year, it wasn't a feasible thing for Kyle Shanahan to continue doing. Maybe now it will be, since Garoppolo is going to be at least somewhat compromise no matter what given the injury I mean it's a ligament tear in his thumbs that's not going to be healed for at least a few weeks and uh, Trey Lance is is better now Uh, that that was clear I mean if you want to look big picture Trey Lance that played the Trey Lance that played today against the Houston Texans was much better and much more comfortable in the pocket than the Trey Lance who played in week five against the Arizona Cardinals so in the larger picture that's very promising reassuring news for the 49ers but in the you know let's game plan for week 18 picture and you know potentially the playoffs uh, that's something that gives Kyle Shanahan if Jimmy Garoppolo is able to play gives Kyle Shanahan an added option so maybe we do see the creative fireworks finale to this season I just think it's exciting Matt because it seems that everything is literally on the table right now nothing has been firmly ruled out right so uh you know as people who report on this team we like that because uh the the string of possibilities is endless and that makes for compelling entertainment yeah for sure and it's going to keep the Rams guessing uh going into this week they're not going to know nobody knows uh at this point but um it, it is interesting yeah, I thought the big kind of looking forward takeaway, just like in week five, was that Trey Lance wasn't perfect. I mean, uh, he, he struggled a, a bit in the in the first quarter and a half. But again, he didn't look overwhelmed. And I think it's really easy to forget that he's the youngest quarterback in the NFL. Um, and the 49ers have taken a long view approach with him. Uh, and they want to be as slow and methodical as possible in, in their development. And they've, he's had to go, go into these big-time big, big time situations. First, uh, uh, a road game in Arizona uh, against uh, you know, what at the time was the, the best team in the league. Um, and uh, narrowly lost that one. But again, looked composed for the most part. Looked like he belonged. You know, the playoffs were on the line in this one. Yes, it was against the Texans, but there was a lot of pressure. And uh, I thought early on, oh boy, is, is, is the pressure going to get to this kid? Um, and is he going to kind of shrink under the weight of it all? He didn't. 
and, and I think that's a that's a big deal. And uh, I just wonder whether we'll come back to these two games at some point in uh, Trey Lance's future. Look back at his first season and kind of go over these games that he's played. Uh, they might end up being really big kind of markers for him. Uh, they're, they're definitely going to be big markers for him. I, I wonder they're gonna, whether they're going to be big markers in the context of him being a really good quarterback because I think the 49ers are still very, very much excited, enthused, love everything that they are seeing from him. It's happening slowly, though. I, don't, I mean, I think today's game was uh, a sign. I hope 49ers fans understand this, that even next year, with all the reps that he's going to be getting in the summer, in the spring, et cetera, et cetera, there's going to be missteps along the way. It's not going to be uh, Patrick Mahomes, I don't think, uh, the way that Mahomes was in 18 and 19. But having said that, I think that the future is very positive for, like I said, the youngest quarterback in the NFL. I like the kid, you know, I, I, and, and you, there's no, there's no, there's no G League in, in football. I mean, college is your G League. Um, you know, he doesn't have any experience, but he's an athlete. And I, I was on the field today and he's, you know, he's a big kid and, you know, he's got the athleticism, but, you know, there's going to be some, some, some learning, some, some, some bumps. Uh, and, you know, he's coming in late now, week 18. So, you know, next season is going to be some more bumps, but, uh, if you're going to move forward with him, you, you got to take those bumps and bruises and hopefully he learns and he's a quick learn. He was so raw coming out of college. Uh, the 21 year old point is, is a great one, Matt, because that was something that really concerned me in that first game against the Cardinals. So he's running 16 times. He's getting hit what you said, 24 times. If you counted the hits in the pocket, that's a 21 year old who had only been hit by what future accountants at the FCS level during <laughs> games before. And then NFL guys were taking 24 shots at him during his NFL starting debut. So it's it's no wonder that Lance got hurt in week five. So, you, you, I mean, the physical realities of playing as a 21-year-old are, you know, I think very clear. Uh, it's good that Lance, you can knock on wood because we didn't find out about the uh, injury against Arizona till after. But it does seem that he made it through this game unscathed. That's a big win for the 49ers. They are able to play a more sustainable brand of football because they didn't leave him as exposed uh, to, to all of those hits. And he showed progress where it mattered most, and that was delivering from the pocket, which in turn allowed him to avoid a lot of that physical punishment. So the trajectory is moving in the right direction um, for both Trey Lance and this 49ers team. But uh, the job is far from finished, and we can't wait to bring you the drama this next week. So we'll be with you in the middle of the week. Make sure that you join the show for the full preview of the 49ers and the Rams and you know whatever's going on with the Saints over the course of the weekend because that's what the 49ers are battling for the final playoff spot. And then, obviously, we'll be with you after the 49ers and the Rams play next weekend. So for Matt Barrows and for Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. Exciting times on the 49ers podcast. We'll talk to you in a couple days. Thank you.